Hi everyone, uh, welcome to my latest episode of the Spatsploitation Book Club, my podcast where I take a positive look at the nasty and the extreme, but in this format I do it with a guest from the extreme horror and splatterpunk community, and this week with me I have Eric Butler. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me. So I'm excited to be here. I am a little nervous though, because you, you threw the uh, homework assignment on me, uh, and I wasn't sure, you know, just reading this story, but other than that, I'm very excited. So. <laughs> Yeah, I did give you. Hopefully, I don't pass out and just slump out of the screen. So we'll see. Oh, I'm pretty sure you must have done a lot more podcasts than me at this point. So you should be. You know what? The, like I said, the it. podcast part is great. It's just reading my own thing that's really getting me <laughs> here. It's put me on edge. So I'm like, oh, this is a good way to to start the week, I guess. Get this out of the way because Texas Author Con's coming up, and I'm going to have to be talking a bunch there too. So get the ah, jitters nice. out of the way. See, so this is just like a little warm up for you then. Yeah, but this yeah. is also great because we're going to be talking about a fun book. So, exactly. I think this episode will probably air quite a way after that, so you'll know yeah, kind of sure. how well you've done at the time. You'll be able to look back and be like, "Oh, okay, that was all right. Nailed it." <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, I'll probably immediately after we finish send you a note saying, "Is there any chance you can just erase that sixty <laughs> seconds? <laughs> the sixty seconds and the five minutes afterwards where I couldn't do anything because I I was recovering." So, but well, I'm sure we'll be okay. Oh, I think you'll be absolutely fine, judging by the story. Um, so yeah, before we uh, kind of do a bit more of a deep dive into Richard Lehman's Night in the Lonesome October, uh, give you a little chance to kind of let everyone know about yourself, uh, about your awesome books and your podcast maybe, and just anything else you want to quickly chat about, really. Well, uh, yeah, I've got some, I guess, I, you know, I like to say, I do say I'm an extreme horror writer. Um and I usually say that in the fact that I just want people to understand that it's R-rated. You know, there's violence and language and sex and all that stuff. Because sometimes people want to read a book, but they don't want to read all that stuff, you know. So you just want to give them a heads up. But really, when I think about it, I like I, I think of myself probably more as just a horror writer who happens to deal in the extreme nature of stories and stuff, which you'll get with my first one, The Shadow Within, which I, I think is the closest to layman that i and he's my guy so that's mm -hmm. kind of like my love letter to layman and then um public massacre which you've done a, a wonderful review on um where i visit the goat man <laughs> and uh and the legend in kentucky where he goes around and does his nasty stuff out in louisville um and then my don texas series where i have a cursed town in texas where people go to kind of disappear when they've done things and they make a deal with a devil-like figure where they can uh kind of exist but to do so they have to participate in the harvest where this guy collects souls um every year you know out in the cornfields with the scarecrow and stuff and so if they don't meet the quota the people in the town have to um participate in the quota themselves so everybody's got that um extra you know emphasis to do what needs to be done to get the people to the corn so that they themselves don't have to go and pay the price so and that's a, a long running series. I want to say I have uh, six, I think six stories out for that. And I've got many more plans. So hopefully there'll be another one later this year and uh, and a couple more next year. So, And then a whole bunch of shorts and anthologies and things of that <laughs> nature. But And then what's in the box I do with Donna and uh, we talk about books and and luckily, and we did an interview about the Texas Author Con. So we were, we met a lot of cool writers and stuff. And I think we're going to continue that and and not do it as much as we have been, but I think we're going to showcase different um, indie extreme authors and 
maybe once or twice a month and mix that in with our talks with books and stuff. And we try and talk about like uh, the horror novels that got us to where we are today. So we go look at classic books and things that uh, really popular books, you know, that's not Stephen King. And, mm. and we talk about things like that. So it's a fun listen. If you like deep diving into books, um, you know, and, it feels like you've uh, added a ton of episodes recently. Every time I click on Facebook, it feels like you put another one. I know, up. right? Well, because I, what I, I decided the way I could help Texas AuthorCon was by doing those interviews and allowing everybody who uh, is coming as an author or a vendor, if they want the chance to get out, you know, and introduce themselves and talk about their what they're going to have at the tables and stuff. I thought, well, I'll offer this. And then we had so many people that wanted to do it. Then we had to schedule it, you know, because the events in a couple of days. And so then when we started posting them, I, I realized I needed to do three a week. So, wow. um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we've 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 flooded the market with the <laughs> interviews. We we did the thing we don't normally do and we did a ton of it. And now we're going to go back to talking about books. So it'll be a, a little less hectic. But like I said, we're going to sprinkle in some interviews, too. So, yeah. No, I enjoyed it. It was a great chance just to see a load of different kind of writers who I haven't really seen in podcasts before. Yeah, that was really cool. And then also we got to talk to some people that don't do horror, you know, because everybody mm -hmm. going to this event's a horror writer. They're, you know, some of them do YA, some of them are, I've talked to a guy that does military alternate history kind of stuff. Okay, and cool. I, and it was really interesting. And so I'm excited to go to his table and check out his stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really cool just to meet. And then, you know, there's people that you brush up against on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but you don't really know them. It was nice to sit mm -hmm. down and talk to them for 20, 30 minutes and, and get to know them a little better. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm like on here. It's like anyone I've had a conversation with on Messenger. I'm like, actually, fuck it. Like, come on the show at some point. Let me like actually get to know you a bit more. Yeah, I was really, yeah, I was honored to be asked to, to jump on here because you've got the lineup so far has been amazing. So. And yeah, I enjoy talking. Can... I enjoy. I always talk layman. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So before we get to that, do you want to see if you can nervously get through your sixty-second short? Yeah, man. I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to look up, so don't anybody expect any fanfare, and there won't be any sound effects unless it's just me making a weird noise and passing out. So. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. All right. So uh, I changed the title to this uh, uh, to the dilemma. And then here we go. Michael didn't know what was worse, the betrayal or the hunger gnawing at his empty belly. He gripped the rail and stared blankly ahead. A soft murmur came from behind him, and he flinched when she pressed her hand against his back. Well, she asked, her voice quivering with anticipation. He glanced over, locked eyes with the woman. He wanted to tell her no, to argue that to argue there had to be another option, but instead he only sighed. She leaned closer. No one will ever know. Will know, he replied, his voice so soft he wondered if he spoke at all. And I've made peace with it, she said, reaching out and grabbing his chin to turn his head back towards her. She forced a smile on her lips, and it, but it didn't touch her eyes. This isn't right, he said, grimacing when his belly rumbled. She slid her hand down, pressed, pausing to press it against his stomach before taking his wrist and pulling his arm towards her. He thought about pulling away, but instead he let her guide his hand down past the rail until his fingers brushed soft, silky soft hair. His throat grew tighter. It will all be worth it once you've had a taste, she said, her voice thick with excitement. She licked her lips and glanced down at the, at the sleeping infant, 
careful not to wake him when you do it, or you'll sour the flavor. Mm -hmm. Good job, Kate. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, because it may come out, it just, in my head, it was just all like, you know, nervous <laughs> uh, chitter chatter, but yeah, no. It's going to, yeah, we need to get into some layman to get me past this flush of <laughs> just, you know, whatever, but I'm going to have to start getting on, I guess, and writing these these stories, and I, I really appreciate like I said, I, I, I find it nerve wracking. The reading of it was nerve wracking, but the, um, the, uh, the chance to do it, you know, is a, is a fun exercise because it is very difficult to write, um, uh, something compelling in 60 seconds, you know, that yeah. takes that, you know, 250 words or whatever. Um, and so I do like to, to dip my toe in flash fiction just to try and tighten up my writing because I'm a big fan of Robert Jordan and even, and I think maybe Richard Lemon may have the same thing. Uh, they're both long winded hmm. writers. And so um, sometimes I know I can do the same thing. So it's nice to, to practice that, you know, stretch that muscle and, and tighten things up so that you get your point across quickly. Yeah. I mean, you've done it with the Don Tech stuff though, right? Like I read the first one and that's super tight for, or like oh, yeah, pages, I really appreciate it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And what was funny with Don Texas, Don Texas was cool. So I, w I got my first three books are done. And I just, I think, just released Sins of the Past. And it's totally different than everything I've done because it's uh, my wife hates horror and she doesn't mm -hmm. read anything. And she wanted to be able to read something. And so I started with this weird Victorian, um, almost Cthulhu like idea. And I decided I'm not going to gross it out. I'm not going to go extreme with it. I'm just going to write this story and, uh, and you know, give her something she can read. And it's a fun read, I think. And if you're big into like Sherlock Holmes, that kind of stuff, maybe uh, Murdoch Mysteries, if you, if you know that over from Canada, it's kind of got that vibe, but it's also got this Cthulhu thing going through the whole right. thing. So, uh, but anyway, so then I, I, I didn't know what to do. And everybody was having success with some smaller kind of series. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll try and do a series. But I know what the the downside of doing this series would be was I'd be bored senseless after a <laughs> couple. And then but I'd be committed, you know. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what if I came up with a place like Don Texas? And instead of giving you a lineal story, I would just visit it every time. And it would just be a different year. And then it would yeah. build on its own mythos. And then I got to thinking, well. You know, my original plan was every story would be eight to 12,000 words, and they would just be shorts that I ebooked. And then after I had four or five of them, I would make a paperback collection. But as I was writing them, they just kept growing and growing <laughs> to the point where after the the fourth one, I ended up had they were just the, the fourth, 1926 is the fourth one I did. And it was long enough, it could have been by itself, but I ended up packaging it with the shorter ones. And then after that, they've all been, you know, decent size so they've all been yeah. singular releases because there's just so as you build it you know you get more and more information and then um the characters get a little more depth and then everything get kind of goes you just get invested there. in that world building yeah and it's fun i really enjoy it. and i like the lines where you know one book you'll see a guy and then the next book you'll see his grandson yeah. all in the same town or or vice versa you know depending on the because you can read them in any order that's the other thing i wanted i wanted each story to be a unique um one so like if you only wanted to read one year you could just do that and you'd be fine you get a complete story and you wouldn't feel like you were left out but if you read all of them 
then you'll start seeing Easter eggs and you'll start being able to put some, connect some of the dots. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic concept. I just love the idea of being able to jump around in time in the same place. Cause like I said, it, was, it keeps it interesting. Yeah. It was really fun because like I started, I did a, a short uh, on my website for 50, 1952, very short story just to see if people liked it. And then I did 1969 as a serial on my, on my website just to test it. And then I rewrote it, tightened it up, and put it out as the first year. And then I would jump to 1865 and did the Western, you know. So it was kind of – that's the fun part. And the best part yeah. for me is the um, the research because then, you know, you did 26, and then I jumped to 2002. And so you're kind of having to research everything just to make sure you don't screw up what is and isn't available. Would you ever um... – would you ever go sci-fi with it? Would you ever be like 200 years in the future? Or? I actually have an idea for doing one yeah. that's going to take place. I would, in I like, would be too tempted to. I'd be like, no, I've got Yeah, no, I've got that. I've got, I also have one that goes all the way back and it's going to be Don Texas, like 10, you know? Nice. So yeah. I have, I, I've got like 10, 10 or 15 more ideas written down that I haven't fleshed out. I'm trying to finish this one. They're, like I said, they're all connected, of course, but I kind of do them in my head in groupings. And so yeah. 2002, 1978, um, and then I'm going to do a 1946, I think. Those three are going to have the theme that tie together. But like I said, each one can be read singularly if you wanted to do that. So uh, that's, that's cool. the one I plan on releasing next after I finish the uh, Hopelick uh, 2. So. <laughs> So I can handle totally too. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's the problem. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely excited to try and get that. And I, I wrote it last year and I've been rewriting it this year because, you know, I want it mm. to be perfect. And of course, sometimes we get in our own way, I think. Um, yeah, I had a similar thing with the um, my Abbey book. I really, it was my first book I ever released. And I'd already written the second book by the time I released the first book. But you're like, you can't just release it straight away. You've got to wait mm -hmm. and give it time and build an audience and yeah then you know i imagine it was the same with public right like you can't just release it straight off the bat you gotta well you want to that's the funny thing i didn't know what i was doing so i released <laughs> shadow within in in 2019 in december to absolutely no fanfare and i <laughs> nobody i mean i mean i knew nobody in fact the facebook account i had at the time i lost that february i think uh, because it got hacked, you know, so I had to restart February. Uh, and so while I was doing that is when I started noticing there were book groups and stuff, but I yeah. just wrote public too and put it out and didn't even, I mean, <laughs> I barely did anything with it. I didn't no clue. I just, I finished the first book and I go, well, now what do I do? And I guess, I guess I write another book. And so I wrote that one really quick and just yeah. dropped it. And then now, now I kind of have an idea of what I'm supposed to be doing, but you know, it's still, I'm still terrible at that side of it. If we could just write, I would love yeah. that. That would be amazing. But all the other nonsense we have to do, that's the stuff that kind of wears, few, wears uh, me down. A few conversations behind closed doors with people about that. Like a lot of people struggle with the business side of things. Yeah, I just, I'm just not wired totally for that. So luckily I have a good support system and, and uh, people within the indie horror world that help me out and, my wife's yeah. really supportive and, and really cool with stuff. She's really good with marketing and stuff. So she helps me out with ideas and, and things of that nature. But honestly, if I could just, you know, hunker <laughs> down in a cave and just type, I, that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. So. Just hand it out afterwards to someone. Yeah. And be like send it out to the world. Or yeah. That would be awesome. That would be <laughs> the best thing ever. So, but hopefully, you know, as we do this, we get better at it and hopefully that's what happens, you know, pretty soon then everything's just kind of, 
second nature and you don't really feel that way. And then it just feels like you're just handing out the book, you know? So. Yeah. I try and enjoy the business side of it. I try and make sure I like, I like the self control. I like the control of self-publishing. So I'm kind of like, you know, the more I can learn about it all, the, the more beneficial it is really. Yeah. 100%. But when I, uh, when I wrote the first book, I had no idea, you know, I, well, I didn't know what you were supposed to do. You know what? I didn't even really know about self-publishing, but some guy was teaching a class at, at uh, TCU, which I live near. And uh, it was a night course, you know, and you could go for a month, uh, twice a week for a month. And he taught you how to self-publish. And at the time, self-publishing was frowned upon, mm-hmm. you know, and so his, his class was basically how to, to self-publish that tricks everyone to think that you're traditionally published. And, and so he was telling us all the tricks and stuff. And so, um, so that's what I decided I would do that with shadow. Cause I figured, well, that seems easier than, cause I had, you know, sent out the book to agents and, and then, but you slowly realize that that's, that's not for everybody. No. Um, really it's, you know, you, they, you hear, you know, people talk about the one percenters, I think uh, I think agents and books are the one percenter, the real one percenters. You know what I mean? So they, I mean, yeah. they're only looking for sure hits, and and they didn't. They, nobody wants to take a chance on anything. So it's yeah, better so that I, you take a chance on yourself. So. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even I didn't approach a single publisher, like not not even the small ones. Like after twenty years of script writing and having to send stuff off to producers and never getting anything really back, that quite fit. I was like, nope, I'm just writing it, getting it out there. I will figure it out. Yeah. And see, and I didn't even know about small publishers, you know, I mean, I knew <laughs> like some of them existed, but I didn't realize the ins and outs or anything. So I'd never would have even thought about approaching a lot of them. And then some of them, some of the big ones now, when I say big, just the, you know, the ones everybody knows about, you know, like D and T and stuff like that. Yeah. They, they, they started about the same time I did. And so by the time I, realized that there were people doing this i was like well i'm doing this so i'm not yeah. going to hand control over to anybody so I can't that's remember. the other problem do you have um do you have your own kind of press name when you release book naked cat press yeah, naked cat that's it yeah. yeah it's uh and what's funny is and it doesn't make any sense now because i don't have the naked cat anymore unfortunately she passed um in 2020 but you know i wrote that first book and i thought oh this is genius naked cat press it's kind of funny and i got this naked cat and with the logo and and she was you know the she ruled the house you know this little cat <laughs> and then but then we have the huskies and everything yeah. i do on social media is tied in with these two yeah. and so and i said well it doesn't make it naked cat press doesn't really make any sense but you know i've already committed so <laughs> i got to figure well, out how to yeah, I had to do that. So I didn't want to rebrand and do a husky thing after I've already put out. <laughs> By that time, I'd already put out four or five things. So I don't think people are paying attention too much to the brand when you got those beautiful dogs to sit in. I know, right? Book. I'm trying to. Just works. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I don't mind being. I, I'm known as the thumbs up guy because I only thumbs up everything, and I get a lot of crap <laughs> for that. And then I also uh, the huskies. So, and that two things I don't. That's if that's you know what I'm known for. I'm pretty happy with that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, those huskies are like ideal yes. for, for marketing. Like, well, that's the cool thing, you know. I mean, um, I, I got into it. I've I've mentioned it a couple of times. My son's got Crohn's and and a couple other issues. And the first husky Todoro, we brought her as a way kind of to help him, you know. Yeah. And so the dogs mean a lot because of that. So, um, but they've kind of taken on a life of their own because you know we got <laughs> Kittle. 
her sister from they both have the same father and so um and they're both just always into everything causing a ton of trouble and stuff so but yeah they're just they're perfect because you know what's the one thing everybody hates about social media is just all the nonsense right and so if i can share a little bit of the joy i get from the girls and from my love of horror that's really what i like to focus on when i'm Mm -hmm. posting so you'll rarely see anything other than that um (laughs) on my on my stuff because i just don't want to put out any more negativity that's why i don't hide your posts i'm like i want to see the dogs again (laughs) and i really appreciate that and i think that's awesome and i and and i have heard that more than once i've heard people you know people will dm me and say thank you for sharing this or i was having a bad day just seeing the video or seeing the picture and the silliness you know it it does help and i love it those are the posts i don't hide i get a lot of you know people's cats and their dogs and um you know, some people even have even cooler pets like pigs and you know stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, um, I want to say is it James James Coulson? Is it? Yes, yes. I was yeah. I, I I was blanking on his first name, yeah. and so I didn't want to throw it. Out. That's my <laughs> that's my my second biggest fear. We've conquered one of my fears, which was reading that story. <laughs> the other fear is um, blanking on on names, and and so I don't want to I don't want to yeah I don't want to come across as. Um, you know, whatever, an asshole, because I don't know the person's name, even when I do know their name. And I had that problem at Scares because, you know, that was my first big event that I went to. You know, we did Texas Authicon last year, but it was a a smaller one. But we did, when I went to Scares this year, I would be face-to-face with somebody I talked to every day on the internet and still be terrified that I was going to get their name wrong. And so I, you know, did all the tricks to try and get it. But I know a couple of times people were looking at me like, I can't believe this guy doesn't know my name, but it's like, <laughs> I think I know it. And I was right every time, but yeah. I just didn't want to say it if I was wrong, you know? So that's the next thing I guess I'll need to conquer. Maybe I'll just get on a podcast. Uh, you got to decide what's rude or right. Pulling out your phone and flicking through Facebook. So you recognize who's well, who. the best thing to always do. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Just ask them how they, uh, how they Would want me to spell it. Yeah. yeah, I just want to make sure I'm spelling it right, you know, and then it's yeah. like, oh, my name's Bob. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, dang it. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, a couple of times people were cool with it. Sometimes people would make fun, but I just, I end up just saying what I just told you, you know, I know yeah. your name. But I'm just terrified I'm going to screw it up. So uh, you just got to own it. <laughs> that's right. And I figured that's what, it, uh, that was the fun thing about going to scares. Like I said, I was on a panel and I didn't want to do that, but I just ended up just going and doing it. And you know, fake, what is it? Fake it till you make it or whatever. Yeah. You just act like you belong. That's what I did the whole weekend. And and I got through a ton of stuff and it was fun. And it ended up at the end of the day, I realized maybe I was making it too big in my head when yeah. it was something that we all were, you know, just having a good time with. So, and that's usually what it is, you know, with us introverts, we just, <laughs> we actually, we make everything way too big. So. Yeah. I know that one. Yeah. Right. Um... So. So yeah, before we start on night of late October, I'll let everyone know that there will be spoilers. We'll probably jump around a bit and try not to spoil everything, but you know, be able to talk about as much as we want. Um, so before we get into it, what made you choose this one? Out of kind of any book you could choose for the podcast, why why'd you go for this one? Um, well, you know, I know that uh Judith did a, a layman, yeah. right? And so I wasn't hundred percent sure you wanted to do another layman. So that's why I sent you the two. So I sent you Night uh, in the Lonesome October and Darkness Tells Us. Now, Darkness yeah. Tells Us is my first layman, and that's the book that that introduced me to that that world and is the reason why I write probably 
what I write. But Night in the Lonesome in October is this book that anytime I see anybody talk about it, I'm always pushing it. Like, you know, like, hey, nobody talks about this book. Everybody should read this book. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is that I haven't read it in 20 something years, probably. And I had forgotten a lot about this book. And so it was great. I'm so happy that we decided to do this book because it really kind of reignited some stuff in my head. But the reason that I've always thought this book is great and the reason that I push it is because it is so ridiculous and shouldn't work. And it <laughs> does. And that's why I love this book because he took an idea that really, it definitely shouldn't be as long as it is, but he somehow weaves the story of just nothing. You know, it's almost like Seinfeld mm -hmm. and captivates the audience the entire time. It's got some really good, uneasy, scary moments in it. It's got some interesting characters, um, but it's just this book that kind of lets you know that sometimes you don't have to write, you know, Kafka or um, Faulkner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have that. You don't have to always do that. You can sit down with an idea that's really crazy about a guy walking into a donut shop at night and turn it into some amazing, entertaining, fun read. And sometimes that's what people need. So yeah. And yeah, and it's exactly that, right? It is just this really odd book that's kind of this stream of consciousness adventure mm -hmm. about just walking around at night. Like for the first like 30, 40 pages, I was like, oh man, like I miss walking around at night. Like, yeah, I used to have a night job and I used to come home at three, four in the morning and see foxes running around and hedgehogs. And, you know, I kind of, you know, romanticize that idea of walking home at night. And then Randy comes along and I'm like, oh yeah. That's why I don't that's, go out yeah. at three in the morning. <laughs> and, that, and that's funny because I'm the same way. I like to go out at night and walk around and stuff. But the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, nah, you don't want to do that because there's crazy people outside. You know, and that's the other thing that's great about this. When I read this, I probably was in my, oh, I probably was, you know, late 20s. You know, probably son was probably three or four. So I'm looking at it totally different now than I would have been, you know, seeing the, because it's almost romantic in a way. Uh, he romanticizes so many things in the story, um, the relationships with the characters. But I look at it now as a as an older person, and I'm looking at it thinking, at this book should be five pages long. Guy he pulls his head out of his ass and goes home, and then we're done. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that that layman, you know, attacks. And that's the other thing I thought was great too about this. I forgot it was in first person. I do not like first person, but layman does it in such a way that. Um, it doesn't really stand out. It doesn't bother me in the least. And so everything about this book, and I think it's a perfect time to read it now, is it just helps remind me to that it's okay to step outside of this comfort zone, you know, and to yeah. embrace some of the craziness, but also to remember that at the end of the day, we're looking for fun and to be entertained. And then this book does that. So I thought the, uh, the first person stuff I found really interesting because so much of this book is like speculation. It's mm -hmm. like, just Ed is just like, you know, just doing what I do all the time and just fucking creating scenarios in his head that aren't real or might not be real. And as the reader, you're just like, is he on one? Like, is he, is what he's saying true? Or is he like, you know, kind of, is he making this all up? Is he overthinking it? Did he actually see that? Like, 
it puts a lot of weird sort of anxiety into the book. Yeah, and I think, like you said earlier, stream of consciousness. Sometimes you have that voice running in your head, and it's just sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And it's and it's always worst case. You know, you kind of get that vibe from him. He's very worst case scenario mm. guy. Um, but but it also it rings true, and I think that's the reason I don't like first person normally, because a lot of types of writers are very reserved and they don't get into that. And and if we're doing a first person, we're inside that that person's head. We should have all the little i mean because there are times when you're like come on ed you don't need to be thinking about filling up this unconscious person or you know what i mean but at the same time you can see the way that his character has been established for us in there in the previous chapters you can you can immediately you can see why he's going the direction he goes when he's thinking about all these crazy things but you also can um you know you can appreciate it as a reader because you know there are people i know people like ed so yeah, because the other thing is obviously it makes him kind of vulnerable from a reader's mm-hmm. perspective because you want to be on his side. He's the protagonist of the story, but some of his thinking, you're like, dude, like, calm down. Yeah. Like, yeah, you want to be on his side, but at the same time, you want to smack him on the back of the head. Yeah, you just um, want to be like, yeah. dude, come on. Like, that's not cool. Like, don't do that. But yeah, and, but for sure. But then that, again, you, yeah. you go back and you look and you're like, okay, he's a 20 year old, he's a 20 year old college kid. I remember yeah. being a 20 year old kid, you know, and I remember some of the people I, I knew in college and, at that time. And yeah, they would, they would have some of these running dialogues out loud, you know, just <laughs> talk, you know, and so, you know, these people exist. So it's like that. I just thought that I appreciate layman's um, pulling back the curtain a little bit and yeah. kind of being honest and truthful because there is so easy for him to have written this where Ed is almost a white knight. Hmm. and you know because and then even though his actions between Eileen uh, and um Casey are are very crappy because you know basically he's, he's kind of leading one on while he's pursuing the other um but really he is kind of white knightish in a way where he's doing everything he can to protect these women to save them to you know to be the hero of the story but the whole time while he's doing it he's kind of a 20 year old horny college kid. <laughs> so it really it has that feel to it where, where it feels real and and yeah. i and you could easily see all, all the crazy characters that layman has you know some of them we only get to see for a couple paragraphs the old man on the porch you know when he's sitting there the whole time and he lights the match <laughs> i mean that's a that's a as you're reading it and then you read it through voice uh ed's voice it does give you a little chill because you yeah. could imagine that happening. He does that a couple of times when they do the trolls under the bridge the first time when they start to to snicker and uh, and they shush, you know, and when she tells him, you know, quiet and then they start shushing him and stuff. I mean, they, they're genuine skin crawly moments mm. um, in this book uh, that. That I really just I thought he does it so well. He sprinkles it in perfectly. Every time you start to get kind of calm with whatever's going on, even while it's crazy because they're outside in the middle of the night, he then does one of those. The lady with the bicycle, uh, yeah. the clown oh, the, in the house. The first time you see Randy. Oh god, okay, yeah. I was kind of in, like I said, I was enjoying it at that point. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a um what's it called uh mirakami like the norwegian mm-hmm. wood sort of author it had that sort of kind of feel to it like oh, okay i'm just reading about some horny kids kind of growing up and learning about things and 
it's quite nice and I'm like, oh shit he's been stuffed in a van and possibly going to be raped you're like where the fuck did that come from yeah not only that and 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 so yeah because i mean randy's not only saying i want to take your girlfriend and i'm going to do horrible things to her but, but he's like well. yeah yeah i'm, I'm you're <laughs> in too man we're we're <laughs> all going to have the crazy town so um and, and that kind of jars you out because especially when you think about when it was written i mean that that would have been it, it wouldn't have been commonplace to find stuff like mm. that in in a book back in what was it 2004 maybe yeah something like that early 2000s i think yeah so i uh all all of it yeah 2002 oh 2001 it looks like was the original leisure put it out 2002 so um what was i gonna say but the other thing that's really cool about this book is you can kind of see layman's stretching out or i don't want to say bragging or show maybe he's showing off as a way to do it because it's filled with literary um you know nods Mm, to his favorite his favorite writers um and maybe in a way he's making fun of other people and their favorite writers, <laughs> depending on the character that's doing the quotes, but he yeah. it's filled. So he, so in a way it's like, he's like, Hey, here's my story about a 20 year old horny kid who's going to go out at night and basically run into the worst people in society and have terrible things happen. And also just so you know, I know everything there is to know <laughs> about some classic classic, lit- yeah, classic <laughs> literature. So I want you to go F yourself so that <laughs> I can go and, and write the story I want to write. And you can know that I know how to do the other stuff. That's how I always, when I think of Layman, I always think Layman is this guy that he can do what everybody does hmm. and he chooses not to. And he writes stories like this. But every once in a while, he'll do something to remind you that if he wanted to, yeah. he could do the other stuff. But he chooses to do the things that we love to read about. See, I uh, love that sort of approach because I, I, yeah, I'm, some, I've, I'm a big film person. I've watched tens of thousands of movies. And, you know, I know all the classics. I love all of the kind of, you know, the big films. But I love trashy shit probably more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, like, yeah, I can talk about fucking brain dead for a few hours or whatever but you know if you want to have a conversation about ivan's child or stalker like i can do that too like you know it's that's awesome i I like that approach and it just did feel like that within this book you're like you know he's rattling off all these names these poetry quotes and all of this stuff that has nothing to do with what's going on it doesn't tie into anything it's just these characters are all english majors or whatever and they know their stuff when it comes to this sort of thing and like you said, he's, I almost, letting, he's letting you know that he knows all yeah. of that. Like, you know. And I, it almost feels like characters that maybe that he he went to school with. I assume he was an English major. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure he was. I want to say he was a teacher at some point. And so the, when I first discovered Layman, I deep dove. You know, I tried to yeah. learn everything I could. Um, it's been, you know, I, I love him. I am about to start, and, and this may be the reason why, but I'm thinking I'm going to restart reading everything rereading all of it you know um because it's been years since i've read a lot of this stuff so but uh, yeah he's he could easily be um the pompous person you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and 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 he and ed could have easily been the pompous guy too because he's thrown out a lot of stuff but it's it was nice that that he made ed a little more normal every man a little normal and he does enjoy english and loves all that stuff and he and he does know it all but he he he's more like a, a normal 20 year old college kid 
but he gave us an idea of of the other character was it uh rudy um his i guess would you call him his nemesis in a way uh, randy. The, yeah. randy is it no not randy no no the english kid the uh the guy who oh, talks in english accent um uh, curtis curtis yeah yeah he uh he comes across as the snobby, snotty English. He's rude you know. as well, actually. Thinking about it, he's yeah, because I because they shifted yeah. it three or four different yeah. times, and then at the end, you find out that he's using fake names anyway. So yeah, because it's like Randolph was um, because his actual name, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I thought that was a weird. I had totally forgot everything about that character. What um, do you think about that character? Because he stands out a lot in this book. Yeah, he really <laughs> does. He is, and and he. He almost is exactly, isn't he not the personification of Ed's thoughts when he's alone with the girls when they're, when they're not, yeah. right? You know, he's always thinking, well, maybe I could touch this part or maybe I should do this or do that, except for he's actually doing this to Ed every time, you know, where he gets a little alcohol in him and then all of a sudden he's all <laughs> over him, you know, trying to force his way on him, you know, he's kind of that extra rapey 20 year old college guy everybody's <laughs> warned about you know um yeah. and he has a tragic yeah tragic <laughs> backstory you know and he kind of mm. give you an idea of why he's wired this way um but at the same time it's not an excuse for his behavior you know no but layman really played with that right like because at first you're just like who's this pompous idiot like he's yeah he's annoying he's insufferable to begin with and then right. you learn a bit of his backstory and you're like oh i feel kind of bad now that i was quite mean about how I thought about this character, and then you're like, "Oh fuck, he's trying to pretty much rape Ed now." Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ! And, like, what am I meant to think about him? <laughs> and what's funny is that um, the whole time Ed's dealing with them, Ed doesn't like him, fights with them, no. but yeah. also feels sorry for him. But is also his friend. And yeah. there's a there is a a a, a real friendship feeling uh, relationship there. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, there are people you deal with that you don't like, that you still deal with or whatever, but uh, maybe they become your friend in a weird way. Uh, it's a little easier now. The other thing we're thinking of, you know, with the Internet, everything's a lot easier. You know, if you wanted to write a book and, and put a whole bunch of quotes in it, you just look it up on the Internet. That's yeah. way more impressive that he did this before, you know, yeah, doing that all he had that read stuff. all of these books. He wasn't just, yeah. like, you know, searching for a quote. I thought the character, though, was really interesting, and I thought it was – initially put in there to be comic comic relief to try and take away some of the pressure of the story and everything going on with ed but then mm. as you go through the book you realize that it's much more than that and that i think he humanizes all of these characters even the ones that are insane you know the ones <laughs> that that you would see and think of as um you know just there for atmosphere or whatever but there's they all end up having a human quality that lets you that kind of reminds you that you need a little more depth you know yeah that the, everybody has something going on every you know you, you shouldn't just take everything at face value well i mean that kind of works into the conclusion of the book doesn't it because you've got four incredibly different people having to work mm -hmm. together to kind of you know get themselves out of this situation like they're all there at yeah. the end and they've all got their own skill set that's completely different from each other and maybe that's why it works at the end where they do come together, because um, if you would have kept them 
two-dimensional throughout and if everybody is just what we thought they were when we were initially introduced to them there's no way they come together at the end you know because they all would have been stereotypes and stuff Um, but the fact that they were able to push past certain things and to maneuver through the oddity of the three or four days that we're talking about here um, to get to an end point where that uh, they were able to take care of the bad guy and and kind of move on with their lives it does feel a little weird at the end when he moves in with that weird lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lois, yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of like, well, this feels like the, the hat, the excessively happy ending, but at the same time, it, it, it fits the vibe of the whole book. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. To me, it just made me feel like he's going to fuck up even more. Oh, like, of so course. You got, you got a choice yeah. of Elaine and Casey and, cases of a questionable age but you know and then you you got this older woman lois who you know he's gonna fucking do something with because she seemed game as well and yeah like, and i was gonna, have, gonna fuck up even more at the end of the book when we, we we are definitely thinking that there's a chance that casey's underage she does say something about being 18 she says something mm. like um on the 18 in the 18 years of my life or the 18 years i've yeah. been here on earth so she's letting you know that she thinks or she's at least presenting herself as 18 but you're yeah. right the whole she's time the we have no idea. Like, right so, which is funny though <laughs> yeah but i know you know ed's is latched on to that that sentence the yeah. way he thinks and she's yeah. 18 at least so um yeah no i think yeah. the book itself is a fun book um i mean when he goes into the house i how insane is that though he starts off as like this regular guy who's very nervous about things, overthinks everything. And by the end of the book, he's just walking into strangers' houses and just <laughs> looking around, using the bathroom, taking aspirin, sleeping yeah. in their yards on their pool stuff. And I just thought, yeah, this is crazy. And it's not even she, to impress Casey at the time, right? Like the second yeah. time he does it, he's on his own. Yeah, so it's for like sure. He's seen her do it and, you know, she's kind of put that into him now. He's like, okay, maybe I can do it. Which is something that Layman does a lot. He does that where he'll have his characters. One of them will be very reluctant to do anything. And then one, usually the female will convince the guy <laughs> that they can do it. And then by the end of the book, the guy's all for it. You know, yeah. a bite comes to mind when I think of that. And uh, the traveling vampire show has some of that elements. Darkness tells us is kind of that way too. Um, so, and that's the fun thing about Layman. I just think he can take any, idea and, and i mean come out tonight's the same way you know that story starts with about a guy going to get condoms so he can score and then he never comes back and the lady goes out to figure out what he's up to and that's like a three four hundred page book and that's the know. premise you know yeah. and so um i just love the See, fact i already that like the sound that. of that like i know right as soon as <laughs> and that was a cool thing when i uh because i didn't I'm not i wasn't big into reading horror at the time i was a big i'm a fan and I read horror, but you know, you just read what you could find. And there wasn't yeah. a big, there's no indie community. There's no internet at the time. And when uh, Layman started getting a big push with leisure again, uh, cause you know, he was practically banned on in, in the United States, you know, he just wasn't popular. They just didn't really put his stuff out, but he was doing really well in England and in Australia. And so they started reprinting those books over here all at the same time. So it was an amazing thing. I found the mm-hmm. uh, darkness tells us, and then, uh, you know, I, every week I go to Barnes and Noble and there'd just be stacks of layman stuff. And I would just find the next one because he had like 30 or so books before he died um, written. So 
that was kind of uh, i've already read the two at the moment but uh, but you know they could have been so more what did different. You, yeah i haven't i haven't watched the episode did you like the seller yeah yeah i, I loved the seller i was i was surprised at how brutal that book was yeah like for something back get... in the eighties, like obviously I know the film stuff at the time was insane with the video nasties and the Italian horror, but mm-hmm. I did not know there were books like that back then. Right, and then you kind of get the feeling that that because that's kind of what he introduced, you know, like here here's some of my early stuff. You kind of mm. get the idea of why maybe he wasn't, or if it was frowned upon over in the states because they the books they were they weren't putting out stuff like that. You know? So <laughs> it wasn't very conservative for the time. Yeah. So um so it was really cool though that in in 2000s that time period we started getting you know keen and gonzalez and layman you know and then uh ketchum all that stuff started coming out and that's when i discovered them and that's when i realized oh we can write past you know before all you had was king really king yeah. and i didn't like Koontz, and i don't really like Schaub or straub or whatever his name is and so i i but I read Lame and I thought, oh, okay, this oh, this is a game changer. I can actually do this. And that's when I started writing stuff like that. So Yeah, I definitely wish I knew about all that stuff a lot earlier. Like I said, cinema-wise, I knew about it all. But book-wise, I had no idea people were writing books like that. Yeah, and that's crazy too because you would think – because I was big into all those movies too, you know, like you were talking about the B-movies and the trashy horror and all that. that I grew up on that. You would think that we would have just naturally thought, oh, we'll just put it in book form. But I don't think any yeah. of us ever did, you know. And no, so... it did occur to me. Like, it literally, like, until I started looking into kind of after I wrote my first book and looking into what to do with it, I think I literally Googled something along the lines of, like, what's the book equivalent of torture porn or something? And, like, that eventually led to, like, Grindhouse Press. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, there's a, there's a whole place for this. Like, yeah, that's the cool thing about the internet too. Now, you know, and of course now I sound like an old man talking when I say <laughs> stuff like that, but you know, there was a time when you, you didn't have access to anything. You just had to find it. Yeah. Now you everything's there. You know, you just have to be able to order it or download it or whatever and you can check it out. But when we were younger, it was difficult to find out that there was stuff like this floating around, you know, unless you just got lucky yeah. and stumbled across, you know half at a at a half price books or you know a used bookstore yeah or something. you would have basically you would have taken a chance on something you'd have been yeah, like, you'd oh, have to, a cool yes. cover I'll, I'll give it a go like and so yeah, if you got that, lucky that might have led to something else and something else but yeah and then, you know there were people putting out you know e-zines and stuff like that but you still didn't know about it unless you somehow were able to come across the ad or you know know somebody who knew so somebody and i grew up in uh I grew up in Alabama for the majority of my, you know, youth and then moved to Panama and then moved to Texas. And so it wasn't like I was in any area where there was a huge community for any of this stuff. You know, I was in small towns and out of the country. So um, it wouldn't have been easy for me to find any of this stuff anyway. So. Um, Yeah, back with the book, did you, um, did you doubt at all that Eileen had been taken or did you think like he had definitely seen her in the pickup? Because in my head, I was thinking like he hasn't checked her dorm. Like, what if she just kind of got up? He wasn't there, so she went home. Because he phoned right. his place, but he never phoned hers. And I wasn't. I spent about fifty, sixty pages. Like, has she been kidnapped? Or 
Like, is he just on some wild goose chase? Did that come across that way to you? Or did you think straight away, like, no, Randy's got her? This time, for sure, I knew because I'd read it once before and I, I knew the ending. So, um, but when I was I'm trying to think back when I reread it initially, you know what? I probably did. I probably bought into it. At the time, I, I don't think I would have. I think Ed is so honest in his thoughts and in his ramblings, you know, and you're right. He does mm. sometimes go too far with it or whatever, but I think he thought for sure he saw her yeah. and, uh, and that dress. And I think there's a re- there's a reason Layman set us up with that really specific dress at the dinner. So that when there's no way somebody else was wearing a dress like that. No. Um, so that was the only thing that would make me believe it, that, that, she grabbed him i didn't have a doubt this time though because i remembered the the ending so uh, yeah i just didn't know if it was a bit of a macguffin because of the fact that he had spent the last kind of two-thirds of the book thinking is that randy's van or not like you know yeah like no that for sure like yeah I think that now see that there. that's the thing though that's the the doubt that i would have had and i think i did have this time when i was reading it that there's a chance it wasn't randy it could have just been her in a, in, a, in somebody else's vehicle you know We've already established that Ed is kind of screwing around, you know, and that he's hurt Eileen's feelings. There's, there's no, there is a chance that Eileen is just getting back at him, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe she, and they're on a, it's a college town. You know, there's going to be guys looking for opportunities, you know, as creepy as that sounds. So, well, no, he uh, does say that she's like way out of his league. So she's trying to be getting some attention. Like, so you could easily have he could have easily taken that and gone a totally different direction and, and have Eileen with just another guy. Now the fact that he thought that she was passed out, that mm-hmm. then makes you shift back to Randy and think, okay, for sure, maybe this is Randy. Um, but I think that's the brilliance of this book is that he he's got everything laid out in such a way that you're kind of questioning. I mean, most of the book, I'm just questioning every decision Ed Ed makes. So (laughs) like I said, this could have been a real easy, you know, story. Ed just pulls his head out of his ass and we're good to go. So. Well, it um, could have gone a lot worse. It could have been a bit darker. Like he was stalking Casey. He was watching like Lois through a window. He was breaking into houses, but yeah, it was all kind of, yeah. I don't want to say charming because I'm not condoning what he was doing, but there was a certain sort of weird charm to it rather than a stop being fucking creepy, dude. <laughs> and you know what? If this would have been in third person, we would have 100% been, this is creepy and this guy's the mm. villain. But because yeah. we're in his head the whole time, we can see almost how innocent he is about following yeah. Casey, how innocent he is about some of the other yeah, stuff. Because he's questioning himself at the same time, yeah. isn't he? Like his brain's telling him this yeah, is how you it shouldn't looks. be doing but, this is yeah. this is bad. Don't look in the window, but well, I'll just peek and then you know, and then and then then he's trying to justify why he's staring at the lady as her boobs popping out of her <laughs> nightshirt or whatever. But and then but then again, you gotta go back and say, Well, this is a 20-year-old kid, college kid, mm. who's just had his heart broken. So yeah. obviously he's not thinking straight. You know, because if he was thinking straight and that's the problem with Eileen, and I don't know if Eileen understands that she's setting herself up for failure to immediately throw herself. Yes. And so that just doesn't justify, but at least allows us as the reader to understand why maybe Ed isn't immediately um, smitten with 
with mm. Eileen because even though she is perfect in all these different ways, she is a reminder of Holly and his past relationship, his past yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he says pretty early in the book, right, that he's just going to break it off with her straight away. It's mm-hmm. only because she's like, oh, it's okay. It's nothing serious. We're just, you know. And you can tell it's bothering her too. She's very emotional about it. Um, mm. And I think she understands that maybe she went too quick with the whole situation. But it's understandable as a reader for us to see why he's so fascinated with Casey because she is completely different than everything he's dealt with over the last year. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that she's pretty and, and, but she's this adventuresome um, mystery as well, isn't she? Yeah. And, and it taps into this literary, you know, Mm. um, path he's on. He, He sees himself, like I said, as a hero, even though at the time, you know, he's, He's doing stuff that's kind of shady. But I think comparatively, as well for the um, for the time it's written as well, she's not a manic pixie chick or anything like that. Is she? Yeah, she's, no. She's very different from kind of other girls that were kind of like what the guys were kind of after at the time, sort of mm-hmm. thing. Like they said, she's very adventurous and very mysterious, and you know, <laughs> a bit dangerous. Like, yeah, she seemed um, way more mature. Um, mm. than her age for sure but also she almost feels more mature than more worldly than ed does yeah i hinted is, that she had been through a lot like it didn't yeah even, it's like layman was kind of afraid to almost tell you all the shit that's she's been put through yeah and then that, and that doesn't make sense because layman's not scared of anything right so then we have to pull back and wonder maybe yeah, just I, you know what it, is, is it? actually you know what it, it makes me think it makes me think that he knows that our imagination is 10 times worse than anything that he's going yeah. to tell us. And so he's allowing us to, to edit, you know, as we yeah. have it in our head and, and, and take the ball and run with it, just like Ed does with all of his thoughts with her and stuff and all the things. So I think that's probably what he's doing. But I mean, she comes across as way more knowledgeable about just sim- as real life. Ed, yeah. Ed is that isolated college student you can kind of get that vibe that he doesn't really know what's going on in the real world. And you can see it by how surprised he is by everything and how he reacts to all of the weird folks driving around and stuff like the van, Mm -hmm. the van's creepy too. I think that's hilarious. The lady that shows up in the van tries to to lure him in. in. And then all of a sudden there's people in the back of the van laughing and telling him to get (laughs) in the car and stuff. I mean, that's creepy as all get out. So yeah, do you think um, that was sinister, or do you think that was a bunch of like frat boys being dickheads? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's going to end up being sinister. Yeah, I think that's how yeah. Layman was establishing that everybody, because you know, Casey's the only character that's out at night that isn't yeah. a dirtbag, and <laughs> so much, we yeah. have to, um, we just have to think that that was going to end horribly as soon as he got in the the car something bad was going to happen to him so it's even like the uh the man with the dogs at the beginning was like don't touch my dogs like what are you doing yeah you're like what why are you having to go at him like your dogs came to him right yeah straight away you're like this is a weird world we're in yeah and and what i thought was kind of interesting was how isolated the college was from the city or the you know the surrounding mm. town because he never runs yeah, into two anybody different worlds, else wasn't it yeah yeah and which i guess is his point like i was saying you know he's isolated he's a college kid casey's of this world that yeah. he doesn't know anything about the guy on the uh the uh 
pitchers, um, you know, the backstop, the chain link fence, you know, they're watching them when they're in the field at the mm-hmm. baseball and he crawls down to chase after him. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many wonderful characters that would, um, I think if you read this, you're never going outside after a certain <laughs> time. So, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed the book. I, I um, I'm have, I've been struggling with reading and I, I, I was engrossed with this. I, I was skipping other things to get back into it and I enjoyed just everything about it. So it's got a great pace, right? Yeah, like that's the other a, thing Layman does really for well. For kind of, what, well, just under 400 pages, the chapters were all, like, just bite-sized, really, with a good pace. And one of those books would be like, one more chapter, like, one more chapter, mm-hmm. one more chapter. Oh, I think I can squeeze 10 more pages, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he does a really good job. And, and um, yeah, the seller was think... the same. The seller was super fast-paced. Yes, yeah. She told not me a... beforehand, she was like, you'll get for it quickly, like, don't let the size bother you. It's Layman, like... It's quick paced. Yeah, even uh, yeah, I can't think of any layman that I've read that I've struggled getting through. You know, mm-hmm. um, the only one I haven't finished is Quake, and the only reason I didn't finish it was because Kittle ate it. So <laughs> I just had to go buy a new copy. Yeah, I left it on the I left it on the the nightstand. I didn't realize she was going to eat books, and she tore right through it. But the problem was she ate the back end. So if she would have right. eaten the front, I could have at least finished it. But um, <laughs> so that's the only one I haven't had. But yeah, his pace is perfect. Um, I think uh, the only so ones what, that I struggled with are the ones that that they put out after he passed. So right, so you they can tell that, might not have been finished. Or probably, yeah, you could the lake. You can tell is not he needed to go over that one or two more times. The lake yeah. stands out as a book that they put Richard Layman's name on, but it doesn't feel like a layman at all. Um, Glory bus is okay. That one felt like it was close. You know, it, it, it reads like Glamen. So you can avoid, or you can ignore some of the things that may stand out. Uh, the other one, Amora, that one is 75%, feels 75% done, but you can, it almost feels like someone else did a pass over it. So, right. so what would you um, recommend me read next Layman wise? And like, where do I go from the seller and, um, endless day. nights you should probably read endless nights that's a really cool book and the, the format he wrote that one in is is cool because he does half of it first person half of it in third person okay so when you're like i, I can't I, if i remember correctly if you when you're with the quote-unquote victim it's first person or maybe i think that's third person and then the bad guy's first person that's what it is and so it's just got a weird back and forth but you kind of get a little more it's a fun read and it's a yeah. brutal story um i do like darkness tells stories. us <laughs> darkness tells us i really love like i said it's the first one i read and it was so crazy and there's so much i mean it's i i think it's pretty extreme i mean way more extreme than this one um and but it's that one it's the one that really the light bulb went on i was like oh you can do all these other different things and you can poke the bear a little bit more than <laughs> than other writers do and then um in the dark is a really fun read and it's kind of it's an off-ball thing there's a librarian who finds money in a book and a note asking her to do something and she can have the money if she does what the note says and it just yeah. kind of goes from there and See, it's that's just the sort of concept that could have easily been a romantic comedy or something right right like, right and he just like serendipity it. or something like 
Um, if you like vampire books, the stakes really good. I'm not a big vampire fan, but I like the way Layman does vampires. He's got, um, you know, bite, I guess would be considered one. And that's an interesting take. And, uh, steak is really good. And I usually tell people don't read traveling vampire show until you've read a few other layman's because I think it's different. That's the book I think Layman sat down and said, let me show everybody I can do what everybody does and I can do it better. (laughs) And then I'll go back to doing what I normally do. Cause that's the one that he won. I think a Bram Stoker for, and it's got this, it's a coming of age story, you know? So it's kind of in that same vein as a boy's life and uh, it, you know, it's got that kind of vibe to it, but um, it's just done in Layman style. But I know a lot of people will read it and they'll be like, oh, I didn't like it at all. Or or they'll read that one and they'll hate all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you need to kind of have that foundation before you jump right into that one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if I was going to read something, I'd go to Endless Night and I'd probably do Darkness Tells Us. I really love Blood Games, but I know a lot. So there are people that, that don't enjoy that one. But that one is a fun one. It's about um, four girls who every year go on a holiday and each year somebody else picks what they do and this year they're going to this place that's kind of in the middle of nowhere kind of like a haunted thing it's just a fun but it's just a cool horror sound that sounds like you yeah it's just fun i really enjoyed it i love the characterization of of the because the girls are so different and so you're going to get this weird kind of like with this one you know the characters they they feel real it's not like just uh it's not like one of those things where they just give you the characters because they they need somebody there to die you know, you kind of you relate to the girls and, and the other people in the in the story. But it's also got, you know, that backwoods feel and um, a, a, a sense of danger and a lot of I wouldn't do that moments, you know, and then you just watch them do it, you know. So, um, like, but well, it's your own fucking fault now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so <laughs> trying to think if there's any other ones that jump out right away. I mean, I just I've I've enjoyed all the ones I've read. For different reasons midnight layer is really fun that one's about a, a cave the underground cave where people go for you know go down and they walk around the caves and stuff but there's something going on there too and do you um do you struggle with about like i mean i'm quite new to reading this stuff i've only been reading extreme horror in that for i don't know like a year and a half and it's that balance between trying to catch up on all the classic authors who inspired this generation of writers to supporting the writers in the here and now like mm-hmm. do you tend to alternate or are you like whatever i feel like that's it i'm reading or well i got kind of lucky because i read so many of the classic stuff when i wasn't Before doing anything kind of got it. yeah yeah and then you know because when i was so say i found layman in 2000 i want to say my son was two or three when i because I, I i remember specific i have a specific memory of reading the island by layman when my kid was mm. like three. And so um, that's like almost 15 years of me reading all that stuff before I wrote my first book before and put it done. out. So yeah. I was lucky in that aspect, but there are still some classics I haven't. And like I said, Donna and I are reading stuff. So a lot of it's rereading for me, but you still have to find the time to do it. Yeah. Um, I do have trouble doing it, isn't it? Just as a good excuse for it. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I that I wanted to get more comfortable talking on camera and just talking to people, but I also wanted an excuse to read. And I thought 
if I make it an assignment, you know, yeah. make it a job or whatever, however you want to word it, then I'll, yeah. I'll sit down and I won't feel guilty reading all this stuff, you know, because sometimes it, you're doing it for a reason, but you know, you're also getting pleasure out of it and you're not doing other things you're supposed to be doing. So, but uh, yeah, no, it's, what's hard about balancing the new stuff is there's so much of it and a lot of mm. it's really good. And so it's really hard to find the time when every writer is putting out five mm-hmm. to 10 things and there's a bazillion of us and, and we're all putting out quality, fun Good stuff as well, exciting yeah. stuff. The only good thing is that we're putting out stuff and it it's, tends to be shorter. Yeah. So it is easier to consume it that way. But yeah, I try. My biggest fear about reading people now is um, you don't want to be influenced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I'm working on a story, I don't want to read somebody's story. No, I've read a couple of things where I've found out about a book that I really like the sound of, but I'm writing something within the same subgenre. And I'm yeah. like, well, I'll finish my book and then I'll read yeah. that. Like and Ryan so, and Lucas's like Pandemonium. I was writing yeah. a wrestling book at the time and I was like, well, that book sounds amazing. But if I read it, I'm going to take something from it, even subconsciously it's going to happen because I love both their work. So yeah. it will go in there. So it was almost afterwards reading it going, phew, thank fuck. That's not the same idea as mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm exactly the same way, you know, cause like uh, you do like, well, when you pick characters and things like Don Texas is completely unique in Don Texas, but I mean, it's still got a lot of aspects of different things that you could find in other stories. But when you pick a character like the goat man, you know, I mean, that's a thing. That's a legend, an urban legend. Anybody can write about. It. There are stuff out there about Goatman, so you have to be very. You know, I was trying to be very careful and mm-hmm. conscious that I didn't read Hunter Shea's stuff or anything until after I finished what I was doing. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. The I think, I think the balance. I think you're right. You kind of do need to balance back and forth because sometimes it's nice to go back and read some of the early stuff just to be re-energized. Yeah. You know. The things that I just that kind want of to know there. about a lot of the earlier stuff. Like, yeah, for sure, too. Know, it's as much as trying to support the current crop as much as possible. But at the same time, you're like, this all originated from somewhere, and I want to see that as well. Yeah, and you you kind of need to, right? Because then, I think then, so. Because yeah. you go back, you read some, so you start reading some old Keen or um, Layman or Ketchum, or you know, maybe you read um, what is it, Poppy Bright or um something like that and then you go and read some of the new stuff and then you're like oh my god this guy is stealing this completely (laughs) and i would have loved this and thought this was an original thought but i just read this from over here so (laughs) that's also fun to do you know and then you can find out if they read it themselves and it's like an homage or it's you know maybe it imprinted on them and they didn't realize who everyone's influences are yeah and that's kind of fun too and so um yeah, but I am a layman guy. I mean, if if yeah. I nothing makes me happier than when somebody will read Shadow and be like, "Oh, this is this is like layman," <laughs> without me telling them that, you know, because because it is when my you love. Jump right onto the messages, and you're like, "Yes, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that's because that's my love letter to him, my thank you, you know, or whatever." But um, I just love his style. I love the way he does everything. I've said that a couple times today, but it's just. Uh, something about him the way his style i think it's i think it's his and when you look at his picture he looks like a you know like a middle school teacher (laughs) he doesn't really come across as this guy that's writing the stuff that we're reading about and but then 
but when you read his stuff, it's so almost punk rock in the way he just is ignoring trends and ignoring mm. what was popular at the time and just writing what he wanted to write, how he wanted to write it and, and sprinkling in all this crazy zany stuff. It It's just, I think it's a perfect example of what most writers should be doing. You know, yeah, I mean, obviously like social media and stuff wouldn't have been around at the time, but I imagine he must've copped a bit of shit for his writing. Like some of the stuff that he was writing. In books yeah. You would must think. Have, yeah. You, you would know. think. Especially um, as a teacher or something, I'm surprised the PTA didn't run him off. Like, well, yeah, and I'm wondering about that too. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I, for some reason, I, I swear he was a teacher. Maybe he was a college teacher. Maybe that's why he got away with yeah, it. So. Maybe it and who knows? Maybe Richard Lehman. I know he's written some stuff under other names. Maybe Lehman's a, a pseudonym as well, but I don't think it is. Um, like I said, years ago, I did a deep dive and I knew a whole bunch of stuff, but it's faded over the years, <laughs> which is cool because when I sat down to read this book, I was thinking, I'm going to read this. I'll get brushed up on it, but I'm pretty confident. Yeah. And I'd say halfway through it, I'm thinking, man, I don't remember any of this going on. This is great because it was like almost like a brand new read. If I didn't yeah. remember the ending, then it would have been perfect. But I did enjoy yeah, halfway it. through. I was like, I'm never going out at night again and I want some donuts. Yeah. And it was funny. It was because yeah. it's, it's, it's been cool here, you know, not cool, but I mean, at night it's dropped down into the, to the eighties or so high eighties. And I, I would sit outside at night and read this book on the Kindle yeah. while the dogs are hunting bugs or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, and I could just imagine the gate opening and somebody <laughs> walking into the backyard as I'm reading about all these crazy night people. Or just and someone like, riding past on a, bike laughing to themselves or something here like yeah nope, I'm going yeah back inside. yeah because you'll hear hear noises you know around we have a train station close by and stuff so you'll hear things every once in a while and random yell or something and you're like nah <laughs> i need to go inside girls come on let's go we got to get in the house where we were murdered by randy or or whoever yeah. the troll people we're not even we haven't even discussed that i mean no. that the the amazing um dynamic he had set up with just that first off that's where I that's my problem. The problem I have with 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 the book, if I have a problem at all, is there is no way in hell that <laughs> I would be going down to under a bridge to have sex with that girl um, when they could have easily gone home. They lived close enough. They could have just <laughs> gone home. And so I was just like, uh, yeah, because you every, no other, every other point in the book, they just go back to his apartment. Yeah. Right. But at this point, we're like, no, it, it's it has to be now, and it has to be under this bridge. Yeah. Um. And it, and, and I, I don't know about you, but I definitely got. Yeah, and it's perfect. I mean, he writes that really well, and he kind of lets you know. I mean, I guess it's almost as if he gives you permission to write that kind of stuff. You know, the way he does it, um, because it flows so naturally. It doesn't stand. Sometimes you'll read smut in some of these books, and they'll it'll stand out because it is so weirdly written you know mm. it doesn't feel it's almost feels like that the editor's forcing the guy to put it in or the girl to put it in the book but he does it so naturally it really comes across and since it was in first person it really kind of it flows really well but at no point should he have ever thought it was a good idea to go in <laughs> under a bridge a pitch black bridge a pitch um, black bridge at the bottom of a fucking like dip with yeah. a lake go a little stream going through you're like 
which don't seem like a good idea and it, it yeah, really wasn't normal. a good idea yeah. and then you find out that there's cruel people down there that yeah, eat people that eat and, you, yeah. and they're gonna rape her and probably him too at at some point you know if he's not careful and but i mean with the way that he sets that up when they're they're getting into it and then all of a sudden they fall and then when they fall initially you just think it's a balance thing and then she whispers, somebody's pulled my hair. <laughs> it, it's impossible not to get those goosebumps when you're reading yeah. it, especially when you're reading it in that first person, because you're in the character. I mean, it, that's the brilliance, too, I think, of this of this book, is that by allowing us to be inside Ed's head, but but also by being honest with the way Ed thinks, you really don't – you never feel like you're on the outside looking into Ed's head. You kind of in Ed's yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. He does such a good job of that. And so you but immediately it, feel that fear that you would feel if you were with her and you hear yeah. there's so I mean, it plays well as well, doesn't it, with the time period? Because it's not like they can just pull their mobile phone out and put the torch yeah. light on. You're like, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I've left my mag light at home. You're like, like anyone would carry a mag light around now. But at the time, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a reasonably useful thing to have. Like, which you don't yeah, have. And they, the and they even <laughs> mentioned. They mention a cell phone later when they do the 911 call after the accident, the car mm. accident, just to let you know that he realizes cell phones are around, but also yeah. to tell you that it was a luxury yeah. at that time period to have a cell phone. College kids aren't walking around with cell phones. No. That was too much. Because the bit in the tunnel when he went back for his stuff, he's like lighting a match, right? Which mm -hmm. is just creepy as fuck. You're like, Which I thought also. Extinguishes, you're like, yes. It's and very I thought cinematic. that was Because the guy on the porch does it too, but yeah. it's. It's such a, a visual because you can s picture it as you're reading it through his eyes, yeah. that light flaring and that old man there giggling or whatever he's doing. <laughs> and but then to do that and then to find the dead body under the bridge where he brained the guy and uh, and then to have the burning, you know, the match burning down because then you have to keep lighting them and stuff. Yeah. It, it's it's a perfect. That's why I like writing anything older, too. You know, anytime you can get rid of the cell phone and go back. I like doing that because you can add so much more depth to stuff because the cell phone solves 90% of every issue in a horror novel. Um, yeah. It feels like, so it's cool to go back and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I, when, when not only when she says they've pulled my hair and then one of them says, shush, <laughs> makes that noise, man, that's the perfect part. I mean, that's a great part of the book and it really yeah. sets the the tone because then later this could have easily been a, you know, Billy, gruff kind of story and about the troll people but it's not yeah. that's just one aspect of all the loony stuff going on in ed's life yeah i mean that's i thought that was the um i don't know how to put this how i thought that was like the kind of the turning point of the story like mm -hmm. oh okay this is what the story is about now and then you're like oh no they go back there and he's they've eaten the body and then they don't turn up again for another 150 pages or whatever like, yeah until, until Curtis is dicking around by the edge. Yeah. So like, at don't that. do that. <laughs> and I think that's a, and he, he, it's almost like Jaws, you know, with the shark. Mm, they show yeah. you just enough to get you going. And yeah. he does that with the troll people because you could easily a terrified 350 page novel here yeah. with those troll people and them going after them, trying to hunt down things of that nature. You could easily turn that into that. And he doesn't. He uses it as a, almost as just a device to. Help yeah, no, like you said, they were just another. They were another danger in the night rather than the danger during the night. Yeah, because you had the crazy lady on the bike. 
You've got Randy. Mm. You've got uh, the van driving around. You oh, know what I would he, love? When he threw his, when he threw that bag of guns at the woman on the bike, and she just called it like that was amazing. Yes, I thought that was a perfect because you know, ninety nine percent of the time the rider's going to have her fall off the bike. You know? Yeah, and the fact that she just catches it and rides off laughing, <laughs> you know, makes it makes you just, it shows you the absurdity of everything that Ed's dealing with. Like yeah. he's almost like a sad sack at this. And point. how woefully unprepared he is for it. Also. Yes. And then that right there, I think that's the perfect it. Because as we said earlier, you know, he's this isolated college kid who comes from a different world. Now he's out here in the Casey's world. Casey would know what to do. She, in fact, yeah. says, I know what to do. I'll go get the guns and the yeah. bag back. But he is so just out of his depth. <laughs> and yeah. and then, uh, you know, I wish I wish there was, uh, I wish he was alive to send him a DM. I'd love to ask <laughs> him a couple questions about this because the more we talk about it, the more I'm wondering if we have only just scratched the surface and if there's some, something else deeper down that he based everything on, you know, this almost feels, um, it does feel know, like he went on a crazy bender at some point. And yeah. But I'm just like, it feels, busy. it feels almost, um, like the green Knight in a way, you know, all of a sudden that, that pops in my head, you know, like he's on a quest, especially mm. at the end, he's going to save, Eileen and then he's got all these these things but he's almost goes back to the white knight idea that we were talking about I guess yeah. you know he is the knight of the story he's trying he's more of a great he's knight, a fucking sword at the end yeah yeah even that <laughs> you know and so it almost makes me wonder if if this isn't some sort of loose base on yeah. something more mainstream by as he was sprinkling and all that stuff damsel like that, in so. distress sort of thing that yeah, if I was uh if I had more time and I was a little more, you know, a little smarter, I'd probably dive in there and try and come up with some sort of thesis on why this is you know a great piece of literature, but more importantly, it's a fun read and that's all that really yeah. matters at the end of the day is that it was very entertaining and it takes us on this wild ride and it doesn't let up at all. And I and I think I appreciate that. I mean, he really yeah. gives it gives it to the characters and then allows us to enjoy the the whole thing the yeah, i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was a great read i thought it was wacky it was really bizarre it wasn't remotely what i was expecting like it just because like i said there isn't a story as such this book could have been two pages like mm -hmm. but it's like he just he just wants those donuts and he can't decide what girl he wants and everything goes fucking crazy because of it yeah and and it, and it feels real that's the, I think the most important thing I with Layman is I always come a, away from his books, even no matter how crazy the situation, I've always mm. related to the characters because they all feel yeah. real, real characters in crazy situations is just a yeah. tried and tested formula, right? Like just they all have flaws. Yeah. yeah, they all have flaws, and and he isn't scared to embrace the flaws while pushing them, in, you know, into the meat grinder. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, is there anything else within the book that we need to cover? I'll just, I don't know. I feel I feel like we've we've gone over pretty much everything. Yeah, we're not trying to give away too much spoilers or whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I've really enjoyed this one. I think it's definitely a book that people should check out. Like I haven't read enough of Layman's work like you to kind of say like if it's one of his ones that is essential reading or whatever, but. I can't think of too many yeah. books I've read like this one. It's definitely unique yeah. in that sense. 
I'm I, I'm an obnoxious layman fan, and I will probably didn't matter what you said, what book you say, I'll be like, yeah, you need to read that. You need to read yeah, that. You, you know, yeah. <laughs> even the even the bad one. Like I said, I wouldn't read the lake. I'd mm. wait to the very end, and I would read it just to say, okay, well, what was his idea? And then we'll see how mm. badly they screwed it up. Because I <laughs> I think it. But I've I've come across people that read the lake early, and they think it's mm. a good book. Right. And I think that's because they just haven't read enough layman to see the differences. So as a book, it may be fine. Yeah. It's just not, it's the worst layman in my mind. So. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for recommending me that book. It's a great read and hopefully uh, plenty of other people will pick it up after hearing us yeah, gush over it. <laughs> Yeah, DM us on uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever and, and let us know what you think. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been lovely getting well, to talk to you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, thanks yeah, for having me. Joy, uh, is it Austin, is it, you got? Actually, it's uh, Dallas. Dallas. Just outside Dallas oh. is in Richardson. So awesome. close to home. That's what, that's the best part. Good, good. <laughs> I did. Thank you very much for coming along. And I'll speak to everyone again shortly. See you later. Take it easy.